Hello friends, it's such an honor, it's a massive privilege for me to be able to share with you today. Uh, church planting is absolutely amazing. I know many of you have either planted or you're going to be part of a planting team or you're going to be the visionary couple or the visionary person planting. And so church planting for me is really something that's in the heart of God. I know that you know this. That's probably why you're doing the training. Um, but I just want to say this. is For me, I've got amazing respect, respect, huge respect for those of you who are wanting to plant or be part of a church plant. You know what I love about a church plant is the fact that you get to be part of something that's far bigger than yourself, something that's far greater than just the, 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 the here and the now, also something that will outlive you. What I love about the church that Marie and I had the privilege of being part of planting uh, about 11 years ago is the fact that this church, City on Hill Church in Clarkstall, and obviously some of the churches and the ministry that flows from that, will live way beyond our lives. And that's what's exciting for me about church planting is, is when God does something, when the life of God is in something, when you do God's will, God's way, when you do things according to the Bible, you see so much fruit, lasting fruit. And that's the fruit that I want with my life. And so I don't want to get into anything else. I know there's so many sessions, but um, I just want to cover today. What I want to cover is biblical, a biblical leadership model. And so there's so many different leadership approaches, leadership models uh, available today. We see this in the church. We see how many churches are led differently and i see there's so many different models that god is using all across the world so i i'm going to say that it's important that you know that even though the model is maybe a, a different than ours doesn't mean that god doesn't use them i believe god can use different models god is using different gifts different ministries um and even different uh, kind of organizations there's some missionary organizations some parachurch organizations that god is using and so i'm not against that i just know that what, what, what God wants for us is He wants us to look at the Bible and do things according to the Bible. And so that's our conviction is we need to be committed to what we see in the text. And, and God is committed to what is in the text. And anything else, we're going to have to really, really be sure. And really, really, I, for me, I don't have conviction to give myself to something that I can't clearly see in the Bible. And that's really what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for Dudley Daniel. I'm thankful for uh, New Covenant Ministries International. I'm thankful that I'm part of a people, a family of people that we are giving ourselves to what we find in the scriptures, doing God's will according to God's way. And that's so valuable. Dudley Daniel used to say this. He said, what you get saved into is far more important than what you get saved out of. Now, if you're going to be part of a church plant or you're going to be leading in a church plant, you need to have your convictions clear. You need to be clear on a biblical expression of leadership. You need to be clear on the Bible, on what you see in the Bible. That's that's what God backs. God backs His Word. He doesn't back our opinions. He doesn't back our organizational styles. He doesn't back even our preferences. He backs His Word. He looks over, He watches over His Word, ready to perform it. Isaiah 55 says that God's Word will not return to you void. God is committed to His Word. And so when we look at patterns in the Scripture, when we see God revealing something of a leadership pattern, in scripture, I think it's important that we give ourselves to that and that we open our hearts and we say, Lord, we're going to prioritize that. One of the biggest gifts I believe that you can give the church that you're going to be planting, one of the biggest gifts you can give that church is a conviction on leading according to the Bible, looking at Jesus, how did he lead, looking at the New Testament, looking at, at some of Paul's writings, and you look at some of the churches in the New Testament, and you say, okay, God, what I see in the New Testament, I want to live in my life today. And that for me is is an amazing blessing. It's, we, we have the privilege of being able to not be, be not lead organizationally, but we can lead biblically. And uh, just because I, I think sometimes even there's some business models and there's some other things that the church has adopted, just because those things 
uh, work maybe in the flesh does not mean that we should be giving ourselves to that. Yes, we can learn, but I believe we need to give ourselves to the Bible. And what I've loved over the years, we've been going for about 11 years. What I've loved over the years is we've had the privilege of every single time someone comes into the life of our church, new, new, new partners, new people get added to the life of our church, new members come in, new family members come in. Every single time they come in, we take time to teach them something of a biblical leadership understanding, something of an understanding to know that, that this, is not, this is not a one-man show, this is, not, this is not a business, this is not a hierarchy, this is a, a church that desires to follow Jesus and desires to do God's will, God's way. We see it in 1 Corinthians 13, oh, actually 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul writes to this church in Corinth and he actually speaks to them about building on the foundation of Christ. And then he says this, he says you can build with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw. And he literally is mentioning these different materials that can be used to build upon the foundation of Christ. And he says each man's work will be tested. And so what Paul is actually saying, he's saying the way we build here in life, what we do here in life, we're going to be accountable for what we do in life. We're not, we, we won't lose our salvation if we build wrongly. But if we build with stuff that's going to be devoured by the fire, that will be destroyed by fire, We'll, we'll, we'll enter into eternity, yes, saved and, and secure in Jesus, but we will not be able to take what we built here on earth with us. And so I want to ask you, what do you want to build with? When you're building a local church alongside of Jesus, when you're on the foundation of Christ, when you're co-laboring with Christ as a master builder, like Paul said, what are you going to take with you? Are you going to just build with wood and straw the easy way? Let's glamorous, let's quickly do things, patch some things, let's follow the latest, greatest a, a, a way or, or style or, or thing that you see on TV in or whatever, I don't know, where, YouTube or whatever you're seeing, are you going to follow that? Or are we going to build with gold, silver and precious stone? Gold, silver and precious stone means that we do God's will, God's way. And so what I've done is, is when people come into the life of our church, every single time an elder walks someone into the church and we do like a new new members thing, you know, you might say, but Mark, why do we need people? I know some people believe we don't need to have members and I'm not into, I don't want to get into a debate, but I do see in the scriptures, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day, that 3,000 people. We see in 47, Acts 2, 47, that the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So if people were added, that means that, that there's this body that gets added to, and then that means that there, there needs to be leadership to lead in the local church that liberates, that empowers, that equips people. And so... I just really want to recap on the triangles, and I know that many of you might be saying, but Mark, you know what, I know all of this, and, and so I just want to recap on it, because some of you might not have heard this, but this has been revolutionary, I believe, in our, our togetherness, and who we are as, as, a, as, as, as a team, NCMI team, partnering with churches, the churches part, partnering with us, this has been revolutionary, because there are so many different leadership models in the world today. The first leadership model that's very common that most people know about is a hierarchical or a dictatorial leadership model. This, this model says that you've got a big shot at the top, a CEO. We see this in business often. There's a CEO at the top, and then you see you've got kind of like some of these managers under him, and you've got some other guys under him and guys overseeing stuff, and then you get a lot of guys here at the bottom working. It's a hierarchical model. It's a model where you've got a CEO, you've got one person really at the top, and everything else feeds him. Now, I see this quite freely in charismatic circles. I actually was involved in a denomination that builds a lot like this. There's a set man. There's called a man of power for the hour. And this guy is the anointed of the Lord. And everyone else does what he says. 
everyone else kind of serves his vision. It's all about him. And 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 once in this one guy that uh, he, I wasn't in that church, but this one guy, he had someone someone stood up and said, "We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We all have gifts." And this guy stood up and said, "Be quiet. I don't want you to talk about that because who's going to support my ministry? It's all about my ministry. It's all about um, position. It's all about I'm more valuable. I'm more important because I am the I'm the big shot. You know, I'm the guy." And so in this model, often there's special privileges for the leaders and there's a bit of a corporate ladder that people climb. And so someone comes in and they want to know what position can I be? Can I be the usher? Can I be the head usher? Can I be the ministry leader of this? Can I be the, you know, the pastor, the associate pastor? This, this, it's almost like a very, very organizational mindset. And sadly in these models and a model like this, uh, what happens is if people grow and they become more gifted maybe than the leader, they become they, they they get seen as rebels because the leader must always be at the top. So that's a very it's all about kind of the big shot. So either people become robots, so they kind of do as I tell you because the leader spoke, or they become rebels. And so uh, so this model has hurt many people, and it has in a sense, uh, even though I think God I do know that God uses people in these models. This is not what we read in the New Testament. It's not it's this. It's this model of one person or kind of a few kind of big shots and the rest of the people just serve their vision. And so what we've seen is we've seen people uh, uh, adhere to a different kind of leadership model where they say, no, that's a, that's a dictatorial model. Let's get into a democratic model. This is how many countries are run. It's this democratic model where the, the, there's, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians, if I could call it like that. I was in this model as well, where you've got a lot of people voting on stuff and where you've got a lot of like, a big church board and you've got a lot of people kind of dictating what what the what the leaders must do so they would appoint they would hire a leader and then they would manipulate and gossip and and kind of be, be more political to try and get their way and so the only way that the leaders could lead is if they would manipulate the board and if they would manipulate the people in this model like my friend bruce mcalpine would say he would say uh, the tail wags the dog in this model which is very very unhealthy and so what, what I see often in this model is I see that this, this model is really, it's, it's, it's the, they can't follow Jesus. They can't hear what God is saying. They've got to hear what people are saying. And there's a lot of manipulation that happens in this model. So some people say, well, this model's not right. And this model's not right. So let's just throw it all out. That's what they say. Let's just, no more leaders. <laughs> and then they get into this laissez-faire. Uh, leadership where there's just no leadership so they have these house churches and they say oh, we're going to be like all spiritual and biblical we're not going to have any leaders and then when they do that the problem is when things grow people need to make decisions things need to move forward and if you take leadership out you miss out on hearing god and you miss out on the safety and the empowerment that leadership brings that's why in the bible we read that there were leaders in the churches every single time a church is planted we see how Soon after that, they would have to say, hey, let's go and appoint uh, elders. Paul even writes to, uh, to Titus and he says, go and finish the work and appoint elders. We see how Paul writes to Timothy about the qualifications for elders. And we see in Acts chapter 6 how leaders, deacons were released into the life of the church. So every church in the New Testament had leaders. So we can't throw leadership out. We just need to bring leadership back into a biblical context. And that's what I want to get to today is that what, what we've learned, and I've learned this, obviously, I, I, I want to just thank God for Bruce McAlpine. Um, he really, by, by God's grace, God used him. He's got great um, slides and, and material on this. But obviously, this comes years and years with Dudley and Ian McKellar, and, and many of those that have gone before us have really unpacked this. But 
But what, what we see in the Bible is there's not a hierarchical leadership model or a democratic leadership model. We see a biblical leadership model. A biblical leadership model says that everyone's on the same value. Everyone's got the same value. Everyone is the, has the same importance. In this model, the leaders are more valuable than the people. In this model, the people are more valuable than the leaders. Why? Because they're trying to correct something. But in a biblical model, everyone's got the same value. Why? Because the price that Jesus Christ paid for you and for every person that will be joining your church is the same price that, that, that Jesus paid for all of us. He paid the same price for me. And so this, uh, this is an amazingly empowering model. Why? Because we see in the New Testament, we see how it actually says in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, sorry, no, it, it actually says that God, forgive me, you might have to cut this no, out. Sorry, bro. No problem. Thank you, Jesus. And actually, what's so powerful for me in the New Testament is we see how in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 35, actually how God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't value or favor one person above the other. Everyone's got the same value in the heart of God. Jesus Christ, when he said it's finished, he died for all of us and he paid the same price for all of us. And that means that we are valuable in God. Now, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, we see how Paul writes and he says, actually, there's these functions in the body of Christ. Even though we all have the same value, we just have different functions. The different functions is just literally talking about himself and Timothy. He's saying we are translocal gifts, Paul and Timothy, apostolic uh, gifts. And then he's saying, he's saying to the saints, to the elders and the deacons, he's talking about those three groups of people in the life of the church, partnering with them as translocal gifts. And so you've got the saints, everyone is a saint. And then you've got people that have the function of deacons and the function of elders. Why? Because we all have the same value. We all have been bought with a price. We are owned by God. We are secure in God. See, if, if you're in this model, you've got to perform to become better. If you're in this model, you've got to manipulate in order to be heard. But in this model, you don't have to earn the acceptance or love or importance because Jesus earned it for you on the cross. Now, if you can settle this as a leader, that's going to mean that when you look at people, you're going to value them like Christ values them because they're not going to be less important than you. That you're, going, that you're going to actually want to come and serve them and build them because you don't see yourself as more important than them as a leader. And also when people come into the life of your church and, and people come into the life of, of your leadership team, what's going to happen is, is they're going to know that they don't have to perform to be, uh, to be seen as valuable or important or even to be seen as someone that, that's really that can add a lot of value into the life of the church. Why? Because their value is not determined by what they do. Their value is determined by what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so there's a security that comes there, if you understand this biblical model, that you're not a leader, you're not more valuable as a leader, you don't get a special parking place as a leader, you, you, don't, get, you don't get kind of special privileges as a leader. Why? Because your value is not determined by your position or your function, or even your, your experience, or even your qualifications. Your value is determined by Jesus. And that security that that brings helps you and me to lead. I remember sitting with a much older gentleman. He was, he was leading a business, and I, I had the privilege of, of sitting with him, and he disagreed with us around our small groups. And he said, he just cannot do this. And I said to him, my friend, and, then, and he was struggling to, to follow me. He was he was really battling. And I said to him, I love you very much. I sat with another elder with us. I said, I'm so sad to say to you that today I, I'm secure in my heart that I know that Jesus called me to be here and Jesus called me to lead. 
and 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 I love you very much. I, I appreciate you, but I do believe that we're doing what God's calling us to do. And there was this security that I didn't have to try and impress him. I didn't have to try and convince him. I could just know that God called us. God spoke to us. I'm 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 in team. I'm under submission under God and in in partnership with Translocal Ministry. And I did not have to uh, make him feel like, hey man, I'm I'm more important or I've I've got to I've I've got to earn myself or prove myself. So what I found with this is so powerful is that leadership is this leadership is firstly from a place of value. It's from a place of security, but also this leadership is by example. See, in this leadership, you can tell people, do as I say. In this leadership, you can you can try and manipulate people. <laughs> but in this leadership, you've got to set the example. Paul writes this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 1, he says, he says, Follow me as I follow Christ. He says, actually, follow my example. So I've got an example. I've set an example. And I want you to, 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 to not do as I do, uh, do as I say, but do as I do. Jesus actually said this about the Pharisees. He says, do exactly what they tell you, but don't do what they do. <laughs> because sometimes people have the ability to say the right things, but they're not living it. I've learned that many people tell me, Mark, you need to practice what you preach. I say, no, no, I turn it around. I say, no. What we need to do is we need to preach what we're practicing. This leadership says, actually, I'm pursuing Jesus with all my life. I'm laying down my life. I'm putting God first with my finances. I'm spending time with Jesus. I'm loving people. I'm opening my home. I'm getting into the nations, not for myself, but for his glory and for his pleasure. I'm enjoying him while I do this. But then when I call people to go to the nations with us, I'm not saying to them, asking them to do something that I'm not willing to do. When I call people to say, let's honor God with our finances. Or when I ask people, let's spend time in God's word every day. I'm not telling people to do something that I'm not doing myself. I'm asking people to come along with me. So I'm not saying to people, follow me. I'm saying to them, join me in following Jesus. I'm pursuing Christ. That's, that's what this leadership is about. It's, it's the same value. It's securing God. And this is the thing. When I did church planners training in 2007, I saw that the most impactful the most fruitful church plants were led by secure leaders that were securing god and it these were the guys who were setting the example they were setting the example of faith setting the example of of joy setting the example of depending on christ and being christ centered and what was also important about this model is in this model you can climb a corporate ladder in this model you can manipulate but in this model we look for people who have the gracious hand of God on them, who are called by God, and we then come alongside um, God and them in order to release them in that leadership um, uh, function or role. And so in this model, people are called and appointed by God. And so it's very, very important to know that if someone, like I said earlier, it was, it was easy for me then to say to someone, Thank you so much. I know that I know, even though it does feel difficult, I know that I know that God has called me and he's appointed me. And I'm not here to, to try and to be dictatorial. I'm actually just here to come and serve because I've been called and appointed by God. That gives you a great security. But also what I love is, I love now, now I can walk in front with liberty because I know that I'm not here because man put me here. I'm here because God put me here. So now you might say, but Mark, how does that look practically? I'm going to be leading a church I'm going to be bringing new people through. How does this look practically? These models, how, how do I apply that practically? Because you know what? You're going to be tempted. As you lead, you're going to be tempted to say, man, it's just easier to kind of be functional, you know, to, to just 
to not be to to not work this out in a biblical way. It's so easier to be positional, to focus on positions. Now, if, if you've studied leadership over your life, you you would understand that that leadership that that is only about position is the lowest level of leadership. It's the lowest form of leadership. If you if you want people to follow you because now all of a sudden you are the lead guy, or maybe you are the 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 one that oversees that ministry, or you are, and you want people to follow you because of that. I've had so many guys come into our life of our church from other models, and what they would do is, is they would sometimes put me on a little, want to put me on a pedestal because they would they feel comfortable with that. And God said to me, now actually, when you and I work this leadership model out, it actually liberates people and it sets people free from trying to impress, trying to perform, and also trying to elevate man instead of elevate elevating. Jesus, I believe that one of our key responsibilities as church planters and as leaders in the life of the church is to elevate Jesus and to build people around Christ and to, to, to say, how did Jesus come to lead? Jesus didn't come to lead and uh, literally to be, to be served. He actually came to serve. So let's look at some practical ways that you can work these leadership models out in a church plant. So firstly, um, one of the ways, and I, I would encourage you to, if you want to get hold of Hold of some of these notes. Bruce McAlpine gave me most of the notes that I have. And I've been sharing this for the last 11, 12 years as we've been leading. But the first thing is, is I believe that when you lead biblically, you lead with unconditional love. Your, your motive is love. Your heart is love. Jesus Christ did not come. Listen, the Bible says this is what true love is, is we lay down our lives for our friends. Jesus came to lay down his life. That was God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is true leadership, is when we are motivated by unconditional love. Now, you might say, but Mark, how does that work? There's some unconditional love relationships that are going to have to happen. So if, if it's all just positional and it's all just hierarchical or organizational, then you don't need love. You just need, you just need job descriptions. You need outcomes. You need performance reviews. That's what you need if it's all about performance, if it's all about organizational but if it's about the biblical expression of jesus and new testament expression of church in the world today then unconditional love relationships become the glue that keeps us together as we focus on jesus christ when we focus on his love ray oliver taught me this he said he often asked god lord give me your love for your people i want to lead them with your love now unconditional love relationships is a two-way stream a street is you give and you receive and so what happens with unconditional love relations? Most people start with conditional love. They like one another. They come to your church. There's conditional love. They like the way you preach. I like the, the, the kids' ministry. I, I, I come because I get something out of this. There's a condition. I, I serve because, because you say thank you or whatever. There's a condition. I want something, right? That's where most relationships start. It's like Bruce McAlpine would call it the honeymoon phase, where we kind of like... I'm, I'm in the early phase. I'm just in the honeymoon phase. I'm, I'm kind of checking it out. And, and so it's, it's the, in the honeymoon phase that, that there's still conditions. It's like, remember when you meet that girl, or when you meet that, that man and you're like, gee, I really like them. But I like the way they make me feel. I like the way that they, so there's a little bit of a, a, personal, a, a personal benefit. And then what happens is this beautiful thing is going to happen in your church when you plant. This beautiful thing is going to happen. It's a gift. It's called a fence is going to come in. Now, a fence is the doorway from a conditional love relationship to an unconditional love relationship. A fence is the link, is actually what, what helps you graduate from a low level of, of conditional love to 
a deeper biblical understanding of unconditional love. And this, this is so powerful because what happens is, is when you get offended, you're going to firstly, people that are going to come into your church, they're going to offend you. Leaders on your team are going to offend you <laughs> and you are going to offend them. So when people join our church, the first thing I tell them, if I have not yet offended you, or if our elders have not yet offended you, or if the deacons have not yet offended you, or if you haven't been offended yet at the church, you're probably not coming in now. Because we, I guarantee people that they're going to get offense, offended. And then when they get offended, we've got a choice. Are we going to break through into unconditional love relationships? Where I say, even though you hurt me, even though you disappointed me, I'm still going to love you and I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to lay down my life for you, for the glory of God and for the purpose of Jesus and the mission of Jesus on the earth. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the, the, the outflow of a biblical leadership model. The outflow of that is that we make disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, he actually calls the disciples to himself. In verse 16, they worship him. Verse 18 comes and literally what happens in verse 18, he says, he says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, therefore, go and make disciples. So what he's saying is he's saying discipleship is his great commission. And then he said, baptize people. He says, teach them. And he says, I'm with you as you make disciples. So now discipleship is massive. Now, for me, discipleship is very simple. It's followers of Jesus helping others to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So we are, if you're a leader, you never graduate from making disciples. <laughs> now, you, obviously, you're not the one that, that changes a life. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Jesus Christ, through His Spirit, changes a life. But you and I can create platforms. We can create environments. We can lead in such a way that people can become more devoted in their following of Jesus. They can become more like Christ. So as you and I pursue Jesus, we help others to pursue Jesus. That's what our churches are about. And so discipleship is what happens. Discipleship is really about investing our lives, life into people, showing them Christ, and helping them to become more like Christ, helping them to, to, to be in environments, going to it like an equip, or, or coming, like in, uh, coming into small groups, or coming into discipleship relationships, prayer meetings, those times, Sunday celebrations, going on mission, going on a trip together, those opportunities are opportunities that we lead people into. That's a biblical leadership model. It empowers discipleship. It empowers a focus upon Jesus. Now, if you're not making disciples, I don't know why you want to plant a church. <laughs> I don't know why we want to do church if people aren't being discipled. Good biblical leadership unlocks discipleship. The third thing, and it's the second last one that I want to share practically on how this biblical leadership works out, is it's team leadership. It's not a one-man show. So even though sometimes people have looked at this and they said, no, no, it's just me and everyone can follow me as I follow Christ and it's all about me. No, no, I want to say it's all about Jesus. And we say to people, come behind us as we follow Jesus and, and, and come pursue Jesus with us. And we all have the same value. We just differ in function. So some people are deacons. Some people are serving on teams. Some people are in ministry, involved in different ministries. Some people are going on, 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 on trips, you know, translocal trips. But we pursue Jesus. But here's the beauty, friends. And this is what I saw. It's liberating. The biggest blessing with a local church, what can happen with your local church, is when you transition from you being the one planting and maybe a handful of people to a whole team leading alongside with you. That's biblical leadership. Biblical leadership is never alone. We often, I cannot find one place in, in the scriptures where they, where, where, they, where they said there's one elder leading the whole local church. I know that in, in 1 John, 
Oh, actually, I think it's in Second John. He actually writes to the elder, but but there's not a place where we know that the whole church was led by only one individual. We see that it's a team. It's a it's a team of elders with the first among equals, with a captain leading that eldership team, and that's why we must understand that biblical leadership is always in team. It's always together. Think about it. Think back at Moses when Moses said to Joshua, "Go and fight the Amalekites." We, we, we read about this in Exodus. Now he says, go and fight the Amalekites. And then he says this. He says, I will go up on top of the hill with Aaron and her with me. Remember this? And then what happens is he says, as, as Joshua was fighting in the valley with the army, Moses was holding the staff of God up in his hands. And Aaron and her together were holding up his arms. And so there's this team dynamic. Moses is standing and uh, fulfilling his role. Aaron and her, they're fulfilling their role. Joshua's fulfilling his role. And together... God gets all the glory. Why? Because not one man did it. It was actually God that did it. God did it all. And so I saw over the last few years is that when I did stuff alone and I just thought, hey, I'm going to do this. I've just not seen the same amount of fruit. I've not seen. Why? Because it's, I really believe that when God calls you to do something, he's going to want to do it. It's going to be bigger than you. And he's going to want to build a team around you. And you know what I love about a team? A team brings safety. The Bible says there's wisdom. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. There's not only safety, but there's also a lot of good insight. There's a lot of good wisdom that comes. But also what I believe is I believe that that helps us to stay grounded and to stay focused upon Jesus. Because then only Jesus can get the glory. And so that's what I love about build a team. Even Jesus built a team, as you know. The fourth thing, and this is the last one I want to share about, is, is we need to, when it's a biblical leadership model, when we build according to the Bible, we actually see that God gives us, uh, God leads us, He guides us. There's a God-given vision that we need. We need to literally, friends, you cannot just, we've got to hear God together. So you hear God in team, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're not following organizational or the latest um, thing that's happening on the earth. You're following what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Like it says in the book of Acts, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. This was when they were in Antioch, it seemed good to us. And to the Holy Spirit. That would be my encouragement to you. Is that we would be vision. We would get a God-given vision. Because you know what I love about vision? Vision is so powerful. That when God speaks, people get behind it. I remember when we had to build the building. God clearly spoke. We got scriptures. We got prophetic confirmations. So much that God spoke. And when God spoke, people could rally behind it. Why? Because I've learned that people don't give themselves to the opinions of man. People don't give themselves to strategies. People give themselves to God-given vision when it's a god-given god-inspired vision when we know that we've heard god we need to be asking ourselves constantly what has god said i start every elders meeting today still with what is god saying i ask every single elders meeting i'm like guys what is god saying we're always starting with what is god saying tyron tyron daniel he, he often says this he says we still are, we are still doing the hearing god thing and so my encouragement to you when you're going to plant let's build according to God's way, when we, when we build it alongside Jesus on the foundation of Christ. Let's build God's will, do God's will, let's do it God's way. If you're going to be involved in church planting, remember this. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, he says, Jesus is the chief shepherd. So don't worry, the pressure's off. Jesus is the chief shepherd. And when people join our church, I say, who's the chief shepherd? Who's the senior, if you want to call, because we don't have senior pastor in our church. If you want to know who the senior pastor of our church is, Jesus Christ is, and I get to be the captain of our eldership team. And this eldership team together, in partnership with the NCMI team and with our deacons, we lead City on Hill together. 
And yes, there's been times where I've had to say, okay, guys, guys, I've heard everyone. I'm going to have to make a call because we weren't, we were working it out. And sometimes we have to make some hard calls as the captain, but the team is then in it together. So the first thing is remember Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. The second thing is remember if he's the chief shepherd, then we are his under shepherds and we should lead like he, he led. And like he leads, he actually, he actually came to serve, like I said earlier. There's a servant leadership. The only biblical leadership is servant leadership. Jesus did not, did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And so from that place, we can be secure in God because it's when you are secure, when Jesus, Jesus knew exactly who he was, where he came from and where he was going. And so out of that place of security, he could serve the people. And then lastly, remember to build a team. Don't do this alone. Don't even go on a trip alone. Even when it comes to your preaching, connect, help, get people to help you. When it comes to implementing stuff, do it with a team. Always build a team. It's going to help you uh, in, in a big way. Friends, let's pray. I'd like to pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for every single person praying, deciding, seeking to plant. Those that will maybe be part of a church plant. Those that are going to uh, spearhead or maybe lead a church plant. God, I want to thank you for, for radical faith. I thank you for hearts that are willing to do your will. I thank you for, for favor. I thank you that you go before them. And I thank you that you empower them, God. I also want to thank you, Lord, for even this journey that they're on, of hearing you and seeking your face. And Lord, I want to thank you that you go, that you do supernatural things, not only in them, but also through them. In Jesus' mighty name. Bless every person that's on this course. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.